titled this series that we begin today called What Not to Wear, uh, which was the name of a reality TV show that lasted for 10 seasons. Although it's been off the air since 2013, uh, TLC is going to revive it in 2020. Uh, What Not to Wear was a makeover show. Someone with bad fashion sense would be nominated by friends and family to be given a uh, complete wardrobe makeover. And these are people who cared about their friend or their relative who was frumpy or dumpy or mismatched or outdated or careless or clueless. Originally, the uh, participants were both men and women, uh, but the men didn't transform quite as well, so they stuck just with the women. The... uh, Hosts would then teach each participant why they shouldn't be wearing sweatpants all the time or mom jeans or bib overhauls or anything from the 1980s. And they would then learn how to select clothes that that fit them, styles and colors that flattered them. And then professionals would fix their hair and makeup and, and the transformation would sometimes be quite shocking. Now, for those of us who follow Jesus, there is a far greater transformation. Uh, Over the next several weeks, we'll learn what not to wear in our life with Christ. And this is not about clothing. It's about character and conduct. Um, We're not examining what's fashionable. We're examining what's spiritual. And our focus in these weeks will be Colossians chapter 3. This uh, letter in our New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in the city of Colossae. Uh, And Colossae located there on the map of Asia. And although it had once been an important place, by the time that Paul wrote this letter, uh, Colossae was sliding into obscurity. In fact, there were several other surrounding uh, cities that were far more popular One historian called Colossae a third-rate town. Another called it the least important town to which Paul wrote. And we likely wouldn't even know the name Colossae uh, if not for this piece of correspondence in our Scriptures. So why does Paul send this letter to the Colossians? He he didn't start this church. Uh, He'd never been to Colossae. Uh, The Christians had never met Paul. But the good news of Jesus had reached there nonetheless. How did that happen? Well, it happened because we're told that Paul spent two years in Ephesus preaching the good news about Jesus. That's about 100 miles from Colossae. Acts 19.10 says that during that time, the word of the Lord spread to all the residents in Asia. All the residents in Asia. And so certainly it reached Colossae too. Now by the time Paul wrote to these Christians, he himself is sitting in prison. Uh, But even behind bars, he seems far more concerned about his brothers and sisters in Christ than about his own welfare. Because he'd heard that false teaching was affecting the church. It had caused believers to question the completeness of their faith. It had weakened their confidence in Christ. And so Paul spends the first two chapters of his letter reminding them that Christ is enough, that through Jesus all who believe are made new. For instance, he says in chapter 2, verse 13, you were dead in sin, but God made you alive with Christ and forgave all your sins. 
Now that's a powerful truth that we must, as God's people today, must be constantly reminded of, that we must, must cling to. If you've truly believed, the difference is not simply that you didn't go to church and now you do. The change isn't simply that you were nasty and now you're nicer. It's not that you simply were immoral and now you're moral. It's not merely that you had a foul mouth and now you control your tongue. More than any or all of these things, the difference is that you were dead and now you are alive in Christ. That's a huge difference. Before Christ, you were lost, chained up, without hope, dead in sin. In Christ, you're set free, forgiven, filled with hope, made alive. And that's who this letter is written to, those who have been made alive, whose trust is in Jesus alone, who have been reborn. Well, so what? And that's what we begin to discover today, the so what. For all of you who believe, for all of you who belong and follow Jesus, here's the so what. This morning we're going to look at the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter 3 and answer these questions questions. Why must I get rid of the old self? What characterizes the old self? And how do I put on the new self? So we'll begin to explore the answers to these questions, the so what, if you've been made new. So chapter 3 begins with these words. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So the day I first believed is the day I stepped out of the tomb, so to speak, and into new life. New life began. The old me was was condemned. It was dead in sin. Uh, But that old me was born again in Jesus, made alive in Christ. On that day, I shared in the resurrection of the living Jesus. And so I'm not waiting for someday, somewhere to enjoy resurrection. If I'm in Christ, I live in it now. I've been raised with Christ now. I'm a new creation now. I'm a child of the King now. Now, I don't always live like that. I don't always live up to that. Uh, but it is reality. And since that's true, I need to keep my mind there on Him. Keep my mind on Him. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have any interest in this world. Surely I do. It doesn't mean that I, that I don't work hard. It doesn't mean that I, that I can't enjoy the experiences of life. Surely I can. Uh, the beauty, uh, family, friends, food, hobbies, wh- whatever that might be. But the phrase, things on earth, refers to the pursuits, the temptations, the reactions, the obsessions in life that are sinful. And setting my mind on Christ is the constant recognition that this world is not all that matters. This life is precious. It is. God gave it to us. But it is no longer my top priority when I've been made new. So I hold on to Christ as the center and the source of all my joys in life. I view all of life, I view all people through the lens of Jesus and what He's done. Because I'm alive in Christ, I can stop chasing after earthly things. And so, why must I get rid of the old self? Because it is not compatible with my new identity in Christ Jesus. That old me, not compatible. 
I'm completely transformed. My old self-interest is no longer conducive or compatible with my new identity, my new purpose, my new future, which is in Jesus alone. Now there's more towards that question. Verse 3, For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now, every person in this world comes into this world born dead in sin, separated from God. But every one of us who truly puts our trust in Christ alone is no longer dead, but raised with Christ, now is alive. And to experience that new birth, uh, salvation through Jesus, what does that mean? It means you've died to the old way of life, and you are now hidden with Christ. What does that hidden mean? Uh, the Greek word translated hidden is kekruptai, and another place that it appears is in John chapter 8. There Jesus is teaching, and he says things that make people so mad they want to kill him. So they pick up rocks, they're intending to throw the rocks at him until he dies to, to destroy his life, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is kekruptai, he is concealed, he is hidden. All of a sudden, they don't see him anymore. Jesus walks through the, unharmed this crowd of people that wants him dead. So, so what this is telling us is that when you are, when your faith is in Jesus, you are now connected with Him, you are united with Him, uh, and your life is safely concealed in Him. Uh, your salvation is secure in Him. Uh, Jesus said, now, no one can snatch you out of my hand. That's what it means to be hidden in Christ. No one can take us away from the love of God that is ours in Christ. Your hope, your blessing, your future is all wrapped up in him. So cancer can't terminate it. Poverty can't change it. Your feelings, your fears, your failures can't destroy it because you are hidden with Christ in God. And therefore, your future is guaranteed. The day is coming when he'll be revealed to you and you will share in his glory. And so I, I must get rid of the old self because it's not compatible with my new identity in Christ. Um, now, let's get to the second question. What characterizes the old self? What are some of the characteristics of the old way of life? Uh, what are those things that are no, com no longer compatible with new life in Christ? What, what parts of the old life do I need to watch out for? Well, in these next few verses, there are actually a couple of lists. And so let, let's look at the first list, which is verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So although I am alive in Christ, and one day will be glorified with Him, right now I still live in this weak body. And I'm surrounded by challenges. I'm surrounded by temptations. Uh, my flesh, uh, the Greek word is sarks, my sarks is weak. It has desires and limitations. But Paul reminds all of those who follow Jesus that our body does not have to dominate us. Our flesh does not have to dominate us. Our mind does not have to obey the voice of temptation. We can say no. We have the power in Christ to say no because the old life is dead. Well, don't dig that deadness up. Take it off. Put away these sinful desires. And those he lists here are habitual immorality, unclean thoughts, words, actions, uncontrolled desire, longing for more. 
These things do not have to hold on you. They're dead to you. As Romans 6.11 says, you are dead to sin, but alive to righteousness. And so Paul calls these earthly desires idolatry. Idolatry. So to follow after these kinds of temptations is to worship something else or someone else other than your Creator and Redeemer. So what does that look like? Let me make it plainer. If you follow Jesus and you have sex with someone who is not your spouse, you're not married to, it's a form of idolatry. You're saying, I want sex with that person more than I want Jesus. When you hate someone, when you harbor a grudge, bitterness, and refuse to to reconcile with someone, you're worshiping an idol. You're saying, I value my anger, my need for revenge, more than I value Jesus. When you indulge in pornography, it's idol worship. You're saying, I want to feed and satisfy my lust more than I want God. When you keep craving for what you don't have, longing for more money and for better things and for finer collections and bigger houses and more stuff, it's idolatry. You're saying, I want stuff more than I desire Jesus. Now, our culture really doesn't have a problem with that kind of thing. That's how our world lives. But that's not the identity of a Christian. That's the kind of thing we must put off in our lives. When I was serving as a chaplain years ago, uh, an employee uh, was having some difficult personal life, so much so that the, the boss asked me to meet with uh, this guy. And uh, he, he told me a story um, Reluctantly, he said, well, his wife had caught him cheating with someone, and she then was uh, in the process of divorcing him. And, and ever since, and this is what he confessed to me, he said, ever since that moment, I've been hooking up with as many women as I possibly can. And he said, I'm, I'm telling you this, but, and you're going to judge me. You're going to judge me. He said, but I don't care. I deserve to have fun. Well, I didn't judge him. Uh, that was how he chose to live. Uh, I gave him advice to the otherwise, but he's living out his identity because this is a guy who did not claim to to follow Jesus at all. But if he had said to me, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to live this way, uh, then I would have to challenge him severely because his lifestyle was denying his claim to believe. Those are the kinds of things that we put off when we are made new. If your sin and guilt died with Jesus and you've been raised to life with Christ, there are some things you need to put to death. Stop feeding your lust. Stop living in greed. Stop harboring your bitterness and anger. Some of you might have a relationship that you need to end today. Or you have a habit that you need to end today. Because though you say you belong to Jesus, you're actually worshiping an idol. And notice Paul goes on to say this. Verse 7. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. So uh, many of us might not struggle so much with immorality or greed, but these kinds of things, yeah, maybe a lot more so. Attitudes and speech patterns. So let me break them out for you here. Uh, anger. That refers to settled feelings of resentment. 
This is where, you know, you sometimes have to say, I'm never talking to you again. Uh, you hold that uh, bitterness against them. Or the word rage, the Greek word is thumos, where we get our, it's a word for heat. So you get hot uh, about this. There's a sudden outburst. There's volatility. Uh, people tiptoe around you for fear of setting you off in your thumos, your anger. Or there's malice. Uh, that's a nasty disposition. No matter which side of the bed you get out of, it's the wrong side. Uh, Normally, there's there's grumpiness, unpleasantness, unhappiness. Or the word slander. The the Greek word is blasphemia, and we think of that as as insults against God, but this is is against others as well. Uh, These are insults... uh, and, and there's all kinds of insulting that can go on. You know, some slight insults. Let me give you some examples of slight insults. To, to call millennials antisocial butterflies. That's a slight insult. To refer to Generation Z as slackers or to respond okay boomer to someone who's my age. That's a slight insult. Uh, but, but we're talking here about blasphemia, uh, which is something at a higher level, especially behind someone's back. So she dresses like the tramp she is. Uh, they're elitist jerks. Uh, that guy is a worthless fool. That, that raises to the level of slander. Uh, the the uh, next one is obscene talk. And uh, that's more about abusive language, not just dirty language, but abusive language. You know, the kinds of things that are said to an umpire who missed a call, or what comes out of your mouth when uh, your uh, car cuts you off on the tollway, that kind of thing. Uh, or, and then lying is the last one that's mentioned. And uh, uh, where lying used to come naturally when you are dead in sin, it is not consistent with one who belongs to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Uh, And so Paul says to all these things, put them off. These are characteristic of the old life. Strip them away. Remove them. And that's not a gentle word that he uses. It's a forceful, decisive action. Rip it away. Uh, Take all those thoughts and actions and speech patterns and, and rip them away. Take them off like old clothes. So what characterizes the old The old self? Attitudes, behaviors, and words that are destructive to human relationships and divine worship. It's those kinds of things that are destructive to the relationships that you and I have amongst each other and, and with our relationship with God. Those kinds of things that get in the way of that. That's, that's what characterizes the old life. Now, I, I, have a, I have a shirt or two that's kind of my go-to thing that I'm going to put on when I'm going to mow the yard or, or not go anywhere for the day. Like, so if that, you know, there's a Saturday that I don't have to do anything, you know, that's probably uh, that shirt or the other one that I'm going to wear. And, and, uh, and I get some teasing about that from folks who live in my house. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's one of the shirts I have, it's a very holy shirt. And by that, it's got a lot of holes in it. As my daughter says, it's like, it's only moths holding hands. That's all you've got going on there. So, I, but I tell, I tell her, I say, listen, I would never wear this to anything, you know, outside. I, 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 you know, to where other people are going to see me. I'll mow the yard in it. And eventually I will get rid of those garments. You know, once they disintegrate, I'm very happy to throw them away. But she said, Dad, you should not wear that anywhere. Anywhere. You know, in Christ, there are some things that are no longer appropriate in your life anywhere. For any reason. Paul says, rip them away. Strip them off. So let's now come to the third question. How do I put on the new self? The new self. 
Um, over a week ago now, Amy bought me a new shirt. Um, I didn't ask for it. I didn't realize that I might need a new shirt. But she said, it's on sale and it's really lovely. It's beautiful, beautiful shirt. And she shows it to me on the hanger. I said, yeah, that looks good. Um, and um, the last time I shopped for clothes, this is why she bought George Bush was president, and I think it was the first one. <laughs> so every so often she has to buy some things for me. Um, but I, but I, I haven't worn it yet. And I haven't worn it because, as I told her, the underlying problem is that underneath that beautiful shirt, it's still me. I don't want to disappoint you, honey, with this shirt that looks so great on the hanger, and then you put it on me. It's still me. Now, later in this series, we're going to see a bunch of characteristics that we are called to put on. New things that we're to put on the new self. But let me tell you, those mean nothing if we are not fundamentally changed on the inside. We're just putting lipstick on a pig. Uh, and so uh, the Christian life is not about dressing up uh, ourselves to appear nicer, more religious, and more holy. No, it, it is those who have been fundamentally changed from the inside out by Jesus, and therefore life is different. Bursting from the inside out, new things grow and develop. So if your trust is in Jesus alone, if you have been raised with him, you've been made alive with him, uh, there are some characteristics of that new life. But, but first here in this passage, let me just deal with these two parts to putting on the new. Two, two parts to put on the new. The first is, as I'm renewed by Christ. How does that new life go on? Well, I need to be renewed by Christ. You say, where does that come from? Well, that's verse 10. 9 and 10. You have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So having, being raised with Christ is a radical life-changing experience. The old is gone, the new has come. And that newness is intended to grow. You say, I put my trust in Christ years ago. That newness is intended to grow, to increase in you to become more like Jesus. That word renewed is a present tense participle, meaning that that is an ongoing, continuous process. The new you is being increasingly designed to grow more like Jesus. And since Christ is the image of the invisible God, that's Colossians 1.15, you are being remade into His likeness. And how does that happen? Well, here are just some of the ways that you are renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Savior. It happens through the cleansing of His Word. It happens through the discipline of the Father. It happens through the work of the Holy Spirit where you're becoming more like Jesus. And so here's the reality. If I fail to feed on Scripture, my renewing stalls. If I refuse to see hardship as a training ground for righteousness, my renewing slows. You know how tempting it is? Bad stuff happens in our lives. We get bitter against God. We fail to see what God says. You must see discipline as training ground for righteousness. And if we f refuse to see that, our, re our renewing is going to slow down. 
And if I reject the, the control of the Holy Spirit, my renewing decelerates. And so I need to repent of my carelessness, my hard-headedness, my disobedience, my laziness, and embrace God's designing work. So that's one part of putting on the new self. As I'm renewed by Christ, that's what happens. But here, very important, as I'm defined by Christ. How does that new self go on? Well, I need to be defined by Christ. Where does that come from? Very important, verse 11. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, here's why this is important. If I, I, I put on the new self, and I do that when I'm allowing Jesus to define how I view other people. When, when I'm allowing God to define those around me, who they are, when I allow God to define who I am, in Christ. The old life is defined by racism and bigotry and chauvinism and culture and success and elitism and stuff. That's how the old life is defined. The new life sees everything through the lens of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean there aren't practical differences between us. There surely are. It means that those differences are not barriers. Those differences do not define you. Jesus is the unifying center of it all. And so my identity does not, is not based in my sin. And my identity is not based in my success. My identity is not based in my failures. My identity is not based in my friends. It is in Christ who is all. And unless we allow Jesus to define us, we will fail to put on the new. Loyalty to him first overshadows everything else. So I asked my mother this week if there was a story. There was a story I could tell. I wanted her permission. And uh, she sent me this picture and a completely different story. Now, uh, my mother's a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful her whole life. She's, uh, I won't tell you how old she's, but she's still beautiful today. But this is just the back of her head, all right? This is the picture she sent me. On her shoulder is me. I am not beautiful, but that's me. And she sent me this picture and told me that this is me coming home from the hospital wearing this outfit, this blue and white knit sweater and cap and booties, this set. That that's what I came home from the hospital in. As far as I know, I never wore it again. Don't plan on wearing it anymore. But she still has it. Worn once. Doesn't fit me, pretty sure. But here's what got me. She says, I have it wrapped for safekeeping in one of your cloth diapers. Now while the day might come, I might need to wear a diaper again. <laughs> pretty sure it won't be that one. The challenge that we're called to today is to get rid of who you no longer are. Get rid of it. If you are in Christ, get rid of all that which is not centered in Him. Because new life runs in your veins. You have a new identity. You belong to a new country. Sin has no hold over you. Those things should not fit you anymore. Because you're a new creation. 
And so don't excuse bad behavior and critical spirit or sharp tongue. You're dead to that. Don't hang on to the remnants of the old life. Christ is all, sufficient for everything. In Him I am new, I am free, I am no longer who I used to be. Get rid of what you no longer are and live the new you. We've sung the song Glorious Day a few times as part of our worship and I just want to quote to you a part of those lyrics that I think speak to this. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. That's who we are in Christ. Thanks be to God. Have a prayer that I would invite you to pray aloud with me if you would stand as we bring this service to a close. And if you feel comfortable to pray aloud these words on the screen, then join me. Thank you, God, for letting me find my identity in you. I was once lost, and you found me. Your mighty hands pulled me out of the depths of darkness and into your merciful arms. I am thankful that I am hidden in you, Jesus. You have made me a new creation, for the former things have passed and the new has come. I thank you that I am no longer bound by the chains of sin. I am now your child, carrying the distinction of an heir of God through Christ Jesus our Lord and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.